From the Vaults, audio from Edmonton's past. This recording consists of the second half of an interview of Gerald H. Wright conducted by John McIsaac on September 14, 1982. This material was recorded on a 5-inch open reel tape and was digitized by an archivist on February 11, 2021. Oliver Wright, we were talking about uh, how you wanted to work with the, the new commissioner. Uh, this is uh, Sid Dietz, mm-hmm. okay, just for the record. Do you think that there is a, a friction, a clash between council and the and the administration, defining administration here as the commissioners for the most part, and general managers, that sort of level of the civil service. Do you think they're with you or again you? I think the um, administration throughout the past decade that I've been acquainted with administrators of this city has felt itself in a conflict mode with council. There is a natural tension anyway between administrative structures and the political structures. Um, historically, democracies built this way on this model. I think, however, our um, conflict has been enhanced by an assumption of almost um, arrogant technologists in the administration. People who saw the city as a, as a technology and the politics of it were frivolous and silly. Maybe we haven't elected uh, some of the most intellectually uh, you know, powerful people to council and that has been a, a loss and a disadvantage and an advantage to the administrations. The structure that we've operated under with a commission board, I think has enhanced our administration and has let the political people off the hook for being responsible for policymaking. The politicians have uh, abrogated their responsibilities in policymaking. We ask questions of the administration in the question period and challenge them, try to embarrass them. Questions which, in point of fact, should go to the mayor in his role as chairman of the commission board. Because it's his commission board, you know, in essence, uh, the way he runs it anyway, or the way it runs under the current system. But he escapes all that flag. I like the executive system, which the Juice Report suggested, because it makes the politicians chairman of various policy committees, and therefore, or thereby, in council, the politicians have to respond to the other politicians for the policies that are formulated, not the administration. So basically, you think the administration has too much power? Yes, I think it has had... It's, it's, a, it's filled what it saw as a vacuum. 
and it was driven, I think, by this kind of engineering technology or engineering techno technologist um, philosophy of how you run a city. Are, are you working better now with uh, Sid Dietz as opposed to uh, other former chief yes, commissioners? Yes, I think had? Uh, Dietz is quite a different man from Mr. Burroughs. Mr. Burroughs had uh, an engineering background. He had uh, telephones and power kind of training, all of which were single function and military, all of which were single function enterprises. Dietz um, is, uh, to my mind, a broader man, more sensitive to cities, an architect by training, um, and a different kind of man in his philosophy of leadership of people. He is not so rigorous or rigid in requiring everything to be written up in a manual. See, we, we have manuals of behavior for everybody in, and every policy in the city in every department. And I think until those things are chucked out and people allowed to be free and creative, we will get only about 30% productivity out of our city staff. And we will also continue to have the enhancement of this conflict model. Because you can't, you were not allowed to talk between aldermen and staff. It was disbarred or debarred. And I don't think that's a, that's a terrible thing. I mean, if you go and ask a, some staff person for a bit of information, informally, they have to funnel it through a whole report writing mechanism and system through various department heads up through their commissioner and then over to you. And I know on two occasions that data I asked for from staff somewhere in the system went to a certain commissioner and was sent back for rewriting. I got the original right plus the final writing and they were quite different. So there is a filtration process that happens in the current style. This breaks down communication. It warps what I think is objective professional truth that ought to come from our professional staff and makes it into something uh, that it's administratively palatable to the interests of the administrators rather than pure, clean, professional opinion. A professional opinion can be in error, wrong, I don't say it's perfect, but at least it has the pretense of objectivity, and that's what I want. I don't mind if I have four different political or professional opinions from which I can make a judgment politically about what choice I want to make, but I want objective data. I don't want administratively warped data anticipating what they think is good for me to know or not good for me to know. Speaking of uh, city staff, uh, in this last session of council, a number of staff were let go from the fire department. Uh, it was proposed to let a number of uh, city policemen go. A number of people from water and sand were let go. Uh, uh, city employees, by some people's opinions, took quite a beating. Uh, civil servant bashing was uh, in vogue. <laughs> Uh, could, could you comment on this? Do you, uh, how do you feel about the civil service? Uh, how, how big it is? How small it is? Uh, the wages they're getting? Just, just your views on the civil service. Well, in the boom times, we were growing fast. 
and it was easy to add staff. And it probably was the only way that it would have happened, no matter who had been in charge. Because jobs were happening so quickly, new things to be done were happening so quickly, that you just kept hiring and hiring and hiring. So I think we have been overloaded. I think our efficiency has been very low, our productivity has been very low, because of the kind of management philosophy I just discussed. Um, people have not been allowed to be creative or expressive of themselves uh, as much as they should or could. The reward mechanisms in the bureaucracy are built on how many people you uh, manage rather than how affectionately, <laughs> effectively, <laughs> even effectively, <laughs> you, you manage. Um, I think that I tried to challenge that, uh, and it's now being dealt with a little bit. Um, and that drove us down the road to a very large structure. When the crunch came, uh, cutbacks had to be made, and they still have to be made. We also have very expensively indulged in a fire service, which is among the best in the country, uh, and rated as such. But it's based on uh, solutions or techniques of fire management, fire services, that are very traditional, and to my mind, failing to adapt new mechanisms or new techniques which would be efficient in terms of staff. Um, but it's a very entrenched bureaucracy, tied up with union contracts to try to make changes is very difficult. Same is true with our police force. We have, I think, the best police chief in the country. He's a very prominent man, I admire him. And we have deployed some of the newest uh, mechanical, physical, and some organizational technologies in our police services. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, it, I think, could still adapt to some new ideas in, in its organization and its approach to crime and city policing generally, including traffic, etc that could save manpower or use the existing manpower more effectively. And they are beginning to adapt to some of those. I went to the police commission one time, uh, twice, and tried to put forward some of these ideas from some uh, literature searches uh, that I had done in research on policing. And uh, they were quite interested. I think they felt challenged. Um, and resented this, but I think that um, uh, under their hats they uh, recognized that there were changes they could make and should make. And these, I think, will come about. When you look at uh, Police Inc., uh, the statistics for, for Edmonton are, uh, are pretty incredible for things like uh, enforcement of the marijuana laws. We have the uh, the highest rate of people being arrested for simple possession of marijuana in Canada. Now, now I, I presume that has to do with policing, not with the rate of marijuana use. Now, do, now, just using that as an example, do you think the police are focusing their attention on the, on the enforcement of certain types of crime? Clearly, they can't arrest all criminals. 
No, they just can't, so they have to decide what they're going to go after. Well, police, like all others, respond to uh, the culture at large and respond to what they think are uh, the popular public demands. To my mind, the culture of the West and the culture of Edmonton has a very strong puritanical drive. Uh, it wants a neat, clean, tidy city. It wants to be protected from uh, anything that it sees as uh, unclean, unsavory. Uh, it wants a fresh, new, modern place to live, safe, etc. Um, the population of the West and Edmonton until maybe the most recent uh, decade, has been um, uh, strongly rural, driven, uh, and not acquainted with cities and all the vitality and life and uh, some unpleasantries <laughs> like slums, poor people. Um, they're not used to rubbing shoulders with that. And they've therefore asked of their police force to keep the city just as clean and pure as the driven snow and the prairie farmlands. Um, maybe I'm being a bit harsh here, but I guess I'm displaying some of my eastern roots, where I love big cities, enjoy Montreal, thrived on its vitality and its variety, and quite accepted rubbing shoulders with all kinds of social classes and people in all kinds of modes and was quite prepared to tolerate that large cities have some areas that are not as neat and tidy as Westmouth. Okay, uh, as an example of that, you uh, propose that uh, the police should uh, be less zealous in their enforcement of the soliciting prostitution laws. Uh, we, we all know that uh, some weekends uh, dozens of officers are checking out people who drive on 7th Street or 96th Street, uh, just cordoning off areas, uh, tremendous amount of man hours and so on. But the police, John, were responding, as I've tried to say, to the demands made upon them by the sort of um, responsible people of the community. Uh, the merchants on Jasper Avenue complain about Chez Pierre's uh, little operation, which is a uh, most innocent whole thing. Uh, they thought it was going to bring crime and gambling and everything else to the to the downtown. They complain about the couple of dozen uh, kids on the street uh, as hookers. Uh, that was disturbing their area. It was upsetting their image of this neat, clean, pure, proper, sterile place. To my mind, sterile. And the police responded to this. Uh, the police did not go out um, because they felt that way, although I'm sure some of the police constables do feel that way. No, they went in response to the demands of the public to do what was asked of them. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't attack the police for their, uh, for their energy in, in doing what was asked of them. I think they were asked to do the wrong thing. But that's not their fault. Mm -hmm. That's ours. We as politicians refuse to face that issue uh, prostitution uh, squarely and honestly and objectively. And that's true across the nation. It's not just a local issue, you know. It's true in other major cities across the country. Now, well, you proposed a, uh, a section of town, like a red light district, like in Amsterdam, or, uh, say, the combat zone in Boston, that sort of thing. 
I didn't go so far as to resolve it into a district, but I did suggest that licensing would bring some benefits in the way of control of the business and where it happened. Uh, that might help to clear the streets a little bit, which is what the public and the merchants seem to want. And it might also provide some, uh, some secondary health control benefits. And it would also provide, I think, at least it was worth trying, some secondary benefits in the protection of the girls themselves. Or the boys. I mean, you know, it's uh, prostitution is a boy and a girl operation these it's days. Equal, quite, equal uh, opportunity employer. Quite there. openly, although the civil code, the, the uh, criminal code, always deals with uh, prostitutes as sheep. <laughs> um, uh, getting back to the civil service on the whole, um, do you think the civil service has been overpaid, and, uh, too many benefits and that sort of thing? I think that we had to in the 50s pay generous salaries to attract competent people into the civil service at all levels of government, including city. We have attracted some very competent people. It's possible that they may have become, I wouldn't say complacent, but they, some of them having been career people now for uh, maybe uh, 10 or 20 years, have become severed from um, organizational vitality and recognizing um, how the private sector works, they've become bureaucratized and they've become driven by bureaucratic security, bureaucratic drives to survive within the system itself without the force of competition, competition for their jobs. And in that sense, I think they have lost productivity, creativity, and awareness to the real world, and therefore I think are less effective than some of my other friends who I can meet and work with in the private sector in the same fields, such as urban planning, architecture, engineering uh, technology, um, rapid transit technology, and so on. Uh, speaking of jobs, uh, Alderman Wright, uh, you're keeping up. You're marble one of your jobs, and uh, that's that of Alderman. Uh, why are you not running again? Uh, well, I feel I've accomplished uh, in the last decade or more a good many of the goals that had been set by community groups or student groups that I set up uh, in, the, in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, times had changed. They were protective times then. Uh, you know, the, the need to protect communities and neighborhoods, uh, the need to redefine public transit, and the need to uh, get a concept and a policy for the River Valley. And I think those things are, by and large, in the wings to be solved with good policies coming, or are more or less solved. And I don't see myself wanting a political career. I'm there as a social animator, oriented to social change, 
not as a politician for a lifetime satisfaction. Uh, the public eye is kind of fun, uh, annoying at times, but not, uh, to me, a basic uh, need. Mm -hmm. um, last but not least, uh, you disassociated yourself from Urge. Uh, you helped to found it, nurtured it, helped to get a lot of people elected, including yourself. And now, uh, as you exit, uh, one of your parting shots is that you don't want to be considered a, a member of Urge anymore. I felt that we had to give up the interests and concerns that we had in those days and recognize that they were no longer paramount. It's not that they're not still there, that is the neighborhood protectionist, etc. But they're not the paramount things. So I wanted to move towards more negotiable position with the business community who had always perceived urge as anti-business. And I felt that urge should break that and its socialist label, false as that always has been. It could not break it without, to my mind, giving up itself. I think it had to go out of existence or underground, whatever. And it would have been clever to, in the long run, support good candidates and lobby them to be in the in serve in the interests of Urge's policies and get them elected, rather than stubbornly stick with Urge candidates and lose. Now we'll have to wait and see what this election does for us. Will you be so on that division of uh, tactic, uh, we separated. The other motivation I had was I, I didn't want to be forced or under a position of feeling compelled to serve urge as a public duty and responsibility, and therefore be forced to run again. Are, are you so to absolve myself of those two uh, pressures? I said I would, if I did run, run independently. Who are you supporting for the mayor's chair in this forthcoming election? Lawrence. Yes. You'll you'll be doing that publicly, will you? Oh, I've already done it quite publicly. Oh, yes, I see. And last but not least, uh, could I ask you to uh, tell us what you plan for the future? Are you going to be continuing associate professor? Or? Oh yes, I'll continue in my return, I guess, to a more active role in the faculty, which has been kind enough to give me these four or five years of very low productivity in actual uh, faculty programming, although public affairs was my assignment and therefore there was a considerable legitimacy in me taking uh, so much time in community activity. And they acknowledged that, and I think they're quite pleased with it. No, I'll go back and find some new fresh issues. I mean, there are all kinds of public affairs issues that are not dealt with. Mm -hmm. I would hope to stand off a little from urban things and move into some other national or international subjects. The question of uh, living and dying are very vital. Uh, the Tasha case raises some fundamental questions and could be addressed. Uh, trade with China is now kind of 
trendy and perhaps workable, whereas it wasn't 15 years ago. Not to mention nuclear design, and And, um, yeah. yeah. Well, Alderman Wright, I'd like to thank you very much for coming in today and, and sharing with uh, the archives for uh, the generation of the future, your, your views, opinions, and, uh, and where you fall on certain issues. Thank you very, very much. Well, it's been my pleasure to be endowed on tape. <laughs> thank you again. This material is a digitized audio recording from the holdings of the City of Edmonton Archives. For more information regarding the recording, please contact us by email at cms.archives at edmonton.ca, by phone at 780-496-8711, or on our online catalog at cityarchives.edmonton.ca.